I'm excited to be here. We're in Matthew 7 today. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 7. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We're almost to the end, uh, but we're in Matthew chapter 7, 5, 6, and 7. This morning we're in verses number 7 through 12, and uh, just talking about loving one another. Uh, loving one another. You know, one day Jesus was talking, and uh, while he was teaching, uh, there was a question that came up, and uh, it was from a lawyer, and the lawyer asked the question, said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And the second of these, and he says this over in the Gospel of Matthew 22 and verse 39, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> it is so refreshing to be around somebody that's newly converted, a new, new uh, uh, person in Jesus Christ, one who is still amazed by his grace, overwhelmed at the love of the church family, and just so thrilled to be a part of something so incredibly special as the bride of Christ. And if we're not careful, uh, give it a little bit of time, and people oftentimes will get over their first love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get let down by people, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we're just kind of going through ruts of the routine of Christianity, when the fact of the matter is Jesus came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly, but we miss out on his best sometimes because, again, we kind of fall out of that loving relationship with Jesus and with one another. Uh, we kind of give up on the things of God. And uh, in fact, I heard a story about a, a, a little girl that was watching her mom. This little girl was about five years old, and she was sitting there watching her mom, and her mom was in there putting on cold cream at nighttime, and that little girl was looking and said, Mommy, what are you doing? And, and, and Mama looked down and said, Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making myself beautiful. And, uh, and so she was sitting there putting it on. A few minutes later, she started wiping it back off, and Little girl said, Mom, you giving up already? <laughs> I think sometimes we give up on the things of God. In fact, what happens to us, if we're not careful, here's what happens. Sometimes in the church family, uh, sometimes people let us down. Uh, because we are people, and sometimes people get their feelings hurt, and so as a result, what happens is we go into self-preservation and just kind of stay isolated and secluded so that I don't get hurt again, and, and, and that happens oftentimes. Sometimes what happens is we are met with something happens in our life, and we cry out to God, and God doesn't answer like I think he should have answered. He didn't save my mom and dad's relationship. He didn't help me. He didn't give me the one I'm praying for. He didn't give me. He didn't deliver like I thought he should deliver. And we have these unmet expectations, and if we're not careful, uh, we can allow those unmet expectations to really sour us as believers. And so God, help us just to love sincerely the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love one another. This particular passage has everything to do with loving one another. Uh, Jesus has been talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about relations with other believers within the body of Jesus Christ. And so here we are, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 7. And the Bible says this, <clears throat> Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. 
Or what man is there among you who then his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts so your children, uh, to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And everything therefore, and by the way, therefore pulls it all back into the context within this is being spoken. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. And so Jesus has been preaching again, and he's talking about <clears throat> treating other people and dealing with other people. In fact, when you take this passage of Scripture, unfortunately, oftentimes what we do in Scripture is we will pull it out and preach it in isolation outside of its original context. And if we do that, we can, if we're not careful... Uh, destroy the text. In other words, miss the meaning of what he's talking about in these verses of Scripture. And it leads to very great frustration because we don't understand why isn't God delivering when I think he ought to be delivering because I'm really misinterpreting a text of Scripture simply because I pulled it completely out of context and created a theological disaster. When you look at this passage of Scripture today, verse number 7 through verse number 12, uh, there are a couple of errors in interpretation that happens if we're not careful. The first one is ask, seek, and knock. And, 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 and we take that to mean as if, as if God has given us a blank sheet of paper and says, tell me what you want me to do. Well, if, 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 if I tell God what he needs to be doing, then I'm now the Lord and he's no longer Lord. If it's in isolation, if it's a blank sheet of paper that he's saying, hey, just make your requests, whatever they might be, Come to me. In fact, it's a promise of prosperity, as if some people uh, are interpreting this. It's a promise of prosperity. You don't have because you hadn't been asking, as if to say he's a genie in a bottle. Well, God's not a genie in a bottle to be rubbed on and to come up at, your, at, at, at our whimsy uh, uh, requests along the way. And so God, help us understand what is it that he's talking about. In fact, here's what happens to us again when he fails to meet these expectations, if I'm looking at this and saying, man, God hasn't answered my request to win the lottery. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But uh, number two uh, is, is if you jump down to verse number 12, another common error that's, that, that happens when you look at these few verses of Scripture when we're talking about the golden rule. Some people make that golden rule out to be uh, a requirement for redemption, and that's not it at all. In fact, uh, you know, because people will make a defense for their own actions. You know, I'm a good person. I do good to other people. And praise God that you do good to other people, but that's not required for redemption. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one may boast. In other words, we don't work for our salvation. So the question is, is how can I practically perform my responsibility in loving one another? When you look at this passage of Scripture and what he's talking about, go back up to the beginning of verse number 7. And in the beginning of verse number 7, he's talking here about dealing with logs in my own eyes and splinters in my brother's eyes. That's what he's talking about. That's the context within. In other words, he's saying, hey, how in the world can I be, how can I be the best 
man, how can I be the best brother in the body of Christ that I can possibly be? Because when we are saved, we become a part of a family, and we have a responsibility to one another. God gives us and wants to use us as instruments in His hands in the lives of those that are around us, not just me, myself, and I, not just looking out for my own personal interests, my wants, my desires, and if we're not careful, that's what Christianity becomes. That's why so many people live life as a Christian and say, whether I show up or whether I don't show up, it's not a big deal, when the fact of the matter is, it is a big deal. You have a responsibility to your brothers and to your sisters, and he's saying, hey, how in the world can I possibly know how to deal with the logs in my own eyes unless he helps me? It's impossible. It's impossible. I cannot, I will never reach my God-given potential as a believer in Jesus Christ apart from prayer. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, make sure that you're asking because you need my help. How in the world can I love one another? How do I love one another? How can I possibly? Because when you think about ministry and when you think about the body of Christ, how do you love one another? I mean, think about it. Sometimes it's through silence. Sometimes it might be writing a, a note. Sometimes it might be listening. Sometimes it might be a rebuke. Sometimes it might be a reproof. Sometimes it might be encouragement. Sometimes it might just simply be a loving word. Sometimes it might be a hug. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's a text. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's a personal visit. How do I know how to love as God wants me to love? How can I possibly do it? And that's what Jesus is going into here. He's saying, hey... Within the context, we're talking about dealing with one another, encouraging one another, edifying one another. And so that's the context within which he's saying this. And so first of all, here's how we begin to love on one another is to rely on God's power, verses 7 and 8, to rely <clears throat> on God's power. In other words, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will Find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. In other words, he's not just giving a carte blanche, just whatever you want to do, but hey, I want you to sincerely want to be an instrument in my hands in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's impossible to do what God desires us to do without him directing us to do it. But the fact of the matter is, he will if we simply ask. But the question has to be asked, do I want to? Do I want to? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love, and love your neighbor. And love the brethren. Do I want to? That's really the question. <clears throat> God help me to love like you want me to love. Billy Graham once said, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. I wonder where the church would be if we sincerely desired to be his hands and feet in every situation. God help me to live in such a way. James, over in the book of James, chapter number four, and in verse number two, the Bible <clears throat> says this. It says, you, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And oftentimes we are not asking. Jesus is commanding and not suggesting to ask, seek, and find. And he's simply saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> I want you to come after me and live for me. He, he doesn't always answer 
prayers in the same way. Have y'all ever, y'all realize that? He, he doesn't always answer the same way. Uh, uh, it, there's, there's a progression of intensity here with the request, but he doesn't always answer the same way. But he's always ready and willing to give the answer. It's kind of like, and I know this, this illustration will break down, but it's kind of like going to grandma's house. Uh, you go to grandma's house, and grandma wants to bless you with some cookies and milk, right? And uh, sometimes when you show up at grandma's house, you don't even have to ask. It's just there ready for you, ready for the taking. And then sometimes you're there, and you say, hey, I smell cookies, grandma. And uh, she says, oh, they're in the kitchen. You know, she, they're in the kitchen. She doesn't go get them for you. Sometimes she will. Sometimes she will. But sometimes she won't. And then you go in the kitchen, so you've asked, and you start seeking, and you seek, and you go in the kitchen, and you say, man, I know they're in here somewhere, Grandma. <laughs> hey, Granny, can you, uh, can you show me where they are? And, 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 and so we begin knocking and persistence, and finally Grandma comes in there and helps open the right door and says, here it is. And, and, and I know that breaks down, but, but I tell you, sometimes the God is the same way in answering our prayers. Sometimes it's just there for us. A door is there for us. An opportunity is waiting on us. Sometimes, sometimes we simply ask, and it's amazing when we ask. I remember one night in Orlando, Florida, when I, I wasn't sure about what God was doing. We loved our church family <clears throat> very much, but I believe God was moving our heart, and I had not even prayed about it. I didn't even ask about it. All I knew was it's time to move, I believe, but, uh, but this is our home. And so one night I went up and said, God, if you want me to leave, would you please tell my wife? <laughs> and, uh, do you know that that night he did? Amazing. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but I'm just simply saying, sometimes it's just simply an ask. And, and, and other times he says, here's, here's the progression happening. Uh, he says, sometimes it's, it's, it's through the seeking. In other words, it's not just asking and sitting down and doing nothing, but rather pursuing uh, what it is, the opportunity that we're praying through, that we're asking about. God, help me. Uh, when you're talking about, let me back up for a second, because asking uh, is an acknowledgement of our dependence upon him, because we definitely need him. And that's really where it begins. The whole prayer process begins with us recognizing, I desperately need infinite wisdom to live my life successfully before God Almighty. I desperately need it. And so it begins with simply the request and ask. Ask is, in, is, is dependence upon him because the Bible does say in John 15 and verse number 5, I am the vine and he is the branch. The branch he is the vine and I am the branches. He who abides in me will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus was just simply saying, hey, listen, you better stay connected to me. <clears throat> you, you, you're dependent upon me for life. And so it begins with the asking, and then the seeking is an act of diligence. In other words, pursuing. We don't pray for God's provision and not look for a job. <laughs> we, we don't pray for God's provision and not go to work. We don't pray that God help me lose weight and then go to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. We don't do that. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, I recognize that, that I'm, I'm asking, but I'm also willing to do whatever it is you're calling me to do. And then the knocking is just simply that act of desperation that says, man, it's persistence. It's through persistence in prayer. In fact, it's interesting in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus talks about persistence in prayer. He gives an illustration. You remember the illustration he gave? And, and he said, you know, suppose, suppose you, you go to a, a, a friend's house one night 
and uh, uh, he's a friend of yours, but it's late at night, and his family's already in bed, and you knock and say, hey, can you bring me some bread? And, uh, and your friend says, hey, man, don't you know what time it is? My family's in bed, and it's late. You need to go home. But he says, but the man stands there and continues to knock, and he's persistent. And Jesus said, it, it wasn't because he's a friend, but because he's persistent that the request was met. And sometimes God just says, I want you to continue to seek me. Continue to seek me. And he will always answer right on time. When you're talking about this whole prayer, <clears throat> this whole prayer thing, uh, uh, it's, it's not, again, some magical formula. However, uh, there are guidelines when you look at Scripture uh, to effective prayer. Uh, effective prayer. First of all, when you're talking about a person of prayer, needs to be a child of God. That's where it begins. I mean, when Jesus was talking, in fact, Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, two times, this is the second time that he addresses the subject of prayer. I would say it's a pretty important subject if he addresses it twice in the most lengthy recorded sermon that we have of his in the whole entire Bible. This is the second time. But when you talk about this pattern for prayer, if you back up for a minute and look at Matthew chapter 5, he says, Our Father who art in heaven. You're addressing him. In other words, <clears throat> if I'm not a child of God, then, then I'm not one of his. I can't call him my father unless I've been adopted into the family, unless I've been saved in this morning. I don't know where you are, but you might feel like, man, I don't know where God is, but let me ask you a question. Are you saved today? Has there ever been a time in your life when you recognize, man, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? The Bible is very clear. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin... It separates us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Ever been a time in your life when you recognize, man, I am a sinner and I'm separated from God and I know that I can't work myself into heaven, but I need to just fall at his feet and cry out for his grace and his mercy. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he paid the price for my sin on the cross. He was killed. He was put in a grave. Three days later, he came up from the dead. He's alive today and desires an intimate relationship with you. Prayer life begins with his children. Are you a child of God? Number one. Number two, it also behooves us to live a life of obedience. The Bible says over in 1 John, <clears throat> in 1 John chapter number 3, verses 21 and 22. 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. <clears throat> in other words, what happens to us oftentimes is we think we can live life any way we want to live life, and God's always going to be there just to give us the answer that we need to have, and He's saying, hey, obedience does matter in one of my children. In other words, how are you going to spend it? How are you going to provide? Here, here's the thing. I've, I've, in fact, <clears throat> wasn't long ago, had an opportunity to talk with somebody, and they're talking about praying for provision, praying for provision. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I just asked a simple question. I said, hey, you know, as God provides, because he has, if you look back, he's always provided. He's been faithful providing. Just want to ask you a simple question. Have you been faithful with what he's entrusted to you as his provision in your life to bring honor and glory to him? 
and you wonder why has he been silent recently. I mean, I don't know the answers. I can't answer for God, but I do think that we ought to ask ourselves the question, uh, am I living for the Lord? God, help me in this process. But then also our motives got to be right. Our motives and the requests need to be right. And sometimes we don't even know the motives of our heart. You know, we have people that oftentimes they'll pray, man, God, help me win a lottery, and I'm just going to give to everybody. You know, if you're not giving now, you won't give then. God, help me. The motive's got to be right. James, James chapter number 4 and verse number 3, the Bible says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so God, help me uh, in my requests. What what, what, what's the proper motive of the heart in the requests? Number one, that I might glorify God in everything about me, number one. And number two, that it might be good for others. The edification for others. It's not about me. It's about God's glory, and it's about the good of other people in my requests. Making sure that my requests stay along those lines. I think about how many times do we simply look at our own selves along the way. And there's nothing wrong with praying for ourselves along the way, because we do need to do that. However, whenever we're asking and seeking, uh, uh, there are opportunities for us to engage with one another that we desperately need his help for. The request, when you're talking about the request, when we're asking, when we're praying, our requests for his answers aren't simply options. In other words, in other words man, I, I'm, I'm really needing clarity. I'm really needing clarity in my life. Well, he says in the book of James, in chapter number one, that whenever you're making your requests, make sure that you're not looking for, again, another option to consider, but simply saying, hey, God, I want you to tell me and grant clarity to me. It's not considering options. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I remember uh, this week, in fact, just on Friday, uh, I, I have a devotional book that I use called My Utmost for His Highest. It's, it's just a devotional book. It's great. Oswald Chambers. <clears throat> and uh, Oswald Chambers, he puts a, <clears throat> a verse a day portion of a verse every day, and then he gives a little, you know, thought, a little challenge, and, uh, and I've had the same book ever since we got married, it's, it's kind of, we're out, but I got the same book ever since we got married, and uh, so I know, I know at different points along the way how God's used that, but, but this past Friday, 26 years ago, this past Friday, uh, he used a verse of scripture, Joshua 24, and verse number 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. And it was a day when I was talking to the president of Chipola Junior College about being their baseball coach. And, uh, but I asked God, I said, God, give me clarity. And um, he did. And he said, this isn't where I want you. And, uh, and so I'm just simply saying, when we asking God, uh, it's not options. I want your will, your way, and that's how I want to live my life. He goes on from asking, and he says this in verse number 9. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And so, number two, remember God's practice in your life. Remember God's practice in your life in your life. God always answers the prayers of his people, and his answers are always for our good. 
That's how he is. He is a good God. Why do we remember those things? Simply because this. We've got to reflect his goodness to others. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. <clears throat> you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God has your best interest in his heart. He really does. Yet, you ever been disappointed because you felt like God didn't answer how you thought he ought to answer along the way? And later you realize, man, I'm grateful that he didn't answer my cries back in that way. I mean, sometimes it happens, especially when we're younger folks and we think we met the right one, Mr. Wonderful or Mrs. Wonderful, and all of a sudden we're praying and crying out to God that this be that person, and then 20 years later we come across him and say, God, thank you for keeping me from that one. God has our best interests in his heart, and I'm grateful to God for that. You know that God won't give us <clears throat> those gifts to destroy us. You know, I think about the gifts. He's, he's just, again, he's using a very practical illustration as a dad. I mean, I, I want, how, how, you know, as a parent, you want, you want to give your children so much. <clears throat> and oftentimes they miss out, do they not? I mean, I don't know if your children ever missed out, but oftentimes they miss out. You've got so much you want to give them, but there are times along the way when you just can't give them. And, and I think about how many missed opportunities and missed blessings have I missed out on because I just wasn't ready for it. And uh, God, help me be ready to receive what you have for me along the way. But God knows how to give good gifts. He doesn't give a, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like the daddy that gives a chainsaw to the son at five. They're not going to do that because they don't want to hurt themselves. And God knows, God knows what we can handle and what we can't handle. But reflecting, he goes on from there, he says, verse number 12, reflecting again, reflecting God's purposes in our life. In other words, that's what we are called to do. That's who we were called to be. And everything therefore. In other words, he's going back, he's tying it all together, simply saying, in everything therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. <clears throat> In other words, when you're looking at this, we, we call this the golden rule. Do to others as they would have you, uh, you would have them do unto you. Uh, there have been teachers over the years. It's interesting when you look at the different teachers and the different teachings that have come out of this. Confucian, Socrates, Aristotle have all taken uh, what we call the golden rule and twisted it into a negative form of teaching. What they will say is this. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. <clears throat> but here's the problem with that as a Christian. As a Christian. We are called to love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, the Bible says this is what love is. And then he proceeds to give us a list of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not arrogant. It does not boast. It does not take account. Wrong suffered. Goes on through the whole list of what it is. And, and, and he uses a bunch of verbs to tell us what love is. Why are you saying that? Because here's the deal. I can't love without being active in my love. In other words... Confucius, 
And Aristotle and Buddha say, just don't do it. Just because I refrain from doing evil doesn't make me a loving person. Jesus says, I want you to, to love. I want you to love. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. I want you to love other people. Why does he say it in such a way? Because here's the deal. If we're talking about dealing with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and really having your good on my heart, that's exactly what God did for me, and that's exactly what God does for you, and that's what he's requiring of us with one another. He's saying, hey, listen, reflect me. God didn't comfort me just to make me comfortable, but that I can be a comforter to others. He says, reflect me. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So how patient do you want them to be to you? How merciful do you want people to be to you? How gracious do you want people to be to you? That's what you do to them. God, help me to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and how good he's been to me. James, again, chapter number 4. We've been in James a lot, but James chapter number 4 and in verse number 17, the Bible says this, when you're talking about loving others, it's not just simply refraining, but it's actually doing. It's impossible. So, so it says, therefore, no one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do you realize that there is a responsibility that comes with a follower of Jesus Christ that you cannot be what God called you to be and live life in isolation? But we come together as a family, as brothers and sisters, for the glory of God and for the good of one another. I desperately need him to help me to be the best brother to you that I can possibly be. And you need the same. God help us in that process. I want to be used. I want to be an instrument. I want to be somebody that encourages others along the way. Be careful that you don't underestimate the influence God has entrusted to you. You've got influence. Use it for his glory. Would you do me a favor today and join me for a time of prayer? Hey, as we pray today, I just want to encourage you to ask the question this morning. Really, man, that, are you plugged in? It's so easy for us if we're not careful to disqualify ourselves or discredit ourselves. Who am I? to be used in the life of others. But God says, you're one of my children. And there are times and there are places and there are people that I want to use you as my hands and feet. Are you willing Are you pursuing the opportunity? Today, as we 
pray, I just want to once again ask. Ever been a time in your life when you called on the name of Jesus to be saved, to be born again? Maybe here this morning and you've never even begun the relationship and it's not a religion, it's not just going to church and being full of activities that Christians do. But it's about really surrendering. Recognizing that I can't do, but that Jesus did for me and for you. There's never been a time you called on him. I'm inviting you to call on his name. We're going to pray after we pray. We have an opportunity today. Maybe you're here this morning, you just need special prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and say, man, I'd like to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to come today. As soon as we sing, we're going to be down front. I'll be here. Ross will be here. Jeff will be down here. You come this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your goodness to us, Father. I thank you for your amazing grace. And I pray, God, that we would still be amazed. God, that while we were still sinners, you demonstrated your great love for us. And that you laid down your life on a cross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for gifting us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for blessing us with your word. And God, we have hope today because we have a risen Savior. Lord, have your way. Search our hearts. We want to be found faithful before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.